What's the fuss? And tell me what's happening. This is the Pyro Light Podcast, episode 53. That means we are hitting week 11 already in the 2016 fantasy NFL season. I am your host, Pyromaniac Mo. You can follow me on Twitter, all letters, at Pyromaniac Mo. Tonight's opening music, we heard from a favorite, someone near and dear to my heart, Mr. Keller Williams. The song is Twinkle, and the album is actually called Dream, and essentially is if he were to have a dream lineup, guys that he's always dreamed of playing with, that's who sits in on this album. You On that song, Twinkle, you hear John Mallow, who uh, played with Bruce Hornsby, played with the other ones, which, which are the reincarnation, I guess, of the dead after Jerry passed. And if you are fortunate enough to recognize and know Steve Kimmock, his guitar sound is unmistakable. Do yourself a favor, check out Steve Kimmock, and certainly uh, Keller Williams. He's a guitar virtuoso for what he can do. So, as always, pay attention at the end of this podcast, and you can hear that song in its entirety. Of course, we are Pyromaniac. You can hear uh, the Pyro Heavy, also referred to as uh, the Fantasy Football Fire. This is the Pyro Light, and do us a favor, leave us a review if you would. iTunes is great, but we're also on Spreaker, Google Play, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, and our beloved Blog Talk Radio. We got a recent review from Tish Leal, and she goes on to say, I not only got the championship last year with their help, I got a bigger payout than any previous year. Listen and gain the knowledge. Well, thank you, Tish. We appreciate it. Of course, do us a favor. We're giving you the knowledge. As she said, leave us a review and we will give you the knowledge too. All right, guys, this is episode 53 and the masses have spoken. I've listened and John Tuvey has been gracious enough to come back and do a show with me. Uh, Mr. Tuvey, welcome back and how are you, sir? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me back. It's uh, it's nice to be in demand. Absolutely. And I'm not kidding you. Uh, John Tuvey on Twitter, at J-T-U-V-E-Y. But I heard from quite a few people on Twitter and Facebook and uh, various places that the Pyromaniac crew interacts with folks. And they really enjoyed uh, the last time you were here. So, uh, you know, thank you as a fan myself. And uh, you always bring the knowledge, and, uh, and, and it's an enjoyable time, sir. Well, it's, it's kind of an odd year for me because, uh, you know, after, I guess, the last probably dozen-plus years of uh, uh, doing the radio show with Charch and uh, even more than that, uh, you know, writing pretty heavily about fantasy football, I'm kind of, in a way, in between gigs. I don't have the same uh, outlet for... Uh, for what I do, I, you know, I still do rankings and, and I still have a, a podcast on the local ESPN affiliate. Uh, but these guest appearances are kind of uh, a way for me to to keep my foot in the pool, as it were, as uh, you know, as I'm building towards some some fun stuff coming in 2017. So uh, I appreciate that uh, that you're having me back, and it's nice to hear that uh, you know that what I'm doing is uh, is still appreciated. Uh, you know, I look back at, uh, you know, I started uh, at the turn of the century, I guess. It's it's fun to say. <laughs> well, uh, t- tell us a little bit. I've tweeted out a few times, but uh, the the party that you are hosting uh, at the local ESPN affiliate, tell us about that podcast a bit. Yeah, the, the Fantasy Football Party is a, a chance for me to get back with a couple guys 
Bo Mitchell and Anthony Maggio, who, uh, when we were at Fanball together, would have been in the uh, mid-2000s. Uh, um, we did the Fantasy Football Pants Party. And uh, as you might uh, assume, it's uh, full of Anchorman sound bits and drops. And uh, when I decided to uh, uh, claim, reclaim my weekends, I guess, uh, it was the primary reason for uh, leaving Charch's show. Uh, just uh, so much prep time that goes into to making that the success that it is and uh, giving up Saturdays. And I've got a daughter in college and a son playing uh, high school football on Fridays. So uh, you know, I kind of wanted to devote a little more time to them. And uh, uh, Maj and, and Bo uh, said, well, you know, if you're not busy on Thursdays, we uh, we record a podcast Thursday morning. So uh, we ended up uh, having to drop our pants uh, and just become the fantasy football party. But uh, we still have plenty of uh, Anchorman sound bits, and uh, you know we'll we'll write uh, we'll write segments of the show just so we can work in a, a, a sound bit or, or a clip that we found. And we've really gone to town uh, as far as uh, the Detroit Lions uh, offensive coordinator. You know, got to go back to Dukes of Hazard and and look up some great Cooter lines so we can uh, drop some uh, Cooter references in. So that's been really fun to do. And uh, like I said, it's a, a way to to stay involved. Uh, in fantasy football and and keep uh, throwing my info out there and uh, and having people pay attention. John, you had me at drop your pants. <laughs> and that's a that's a fun slogan to have. You know, we we should have got that on the shirt. So I think we went with the uh, um, hey everybody look at out. You know, what, whatever the line is from Anchorman, I can't remember the direct quote. Hey everybody, come see how good I look. That's what it is. <laughs> So that's that's on the back of our uh, tour T-shirts, but uh, yeah, dropping our pants and the nice the before we decided to drop our pants, uh, we acquired Zubas as a sponsor of the show. So you know it was all lined up to be a, a fantastic pants party, and then uh, evidently we were going to be too big that they thought maybe somebody would come after us as far as uh, uh, licensing and that sort of thing. So uh, the the only solution there was to drop our pants. Uh, sometimes, you know, that's the, the easiest and best route to take. Yeah, sometimes it gets you in trouble, but yeah, in this case, it, it didn't. Hey, any, any day that you don't have to go with a belt and the pants can come off is a good day in my book. Yeah, absolutely. Now, before we get into the Vegas vibes here, uh, perhaps the most important question, I'm drinking uh, Founders Harvest Ale, which uh, I think I talked about before, but it, it came out of what they used to call the organic and they basically hire uh, local uh, growers and producers of hops and yeast and everything. And it is indeed uh, organic. And they, I guess they call it Harvest because Harvest Party, it comes out about this time of year. It's a limited release. And even though it's an ale, it's really hoppy. And I usually just drink IPAs and I can't tell the difference. It's super hoppy, really fantastic. I always, uh, I like this time of year. So that's what I'm unwinding with after uh, this week. Uh, what are you kicking back with tonight, sir? Well, I, I like to keep it local as well. And unfortunately, uh, I've burned through all the growlers that uh, we amassed during our uh, our microbrew or, or uh, uh, taproom tour that we did in the preseason with the, the fantasy football party, which made it a nice party. Uh, so I've just got uh, a Shells, which is a local brewery in uh, New Orleans, Minnesota. Uh, they also handle a lot of the grain belt uh, stuff. If you're familiar with uh, uh, Fantasy Football Weekly, the show that I was on with Charge for for several years, Grain Belt's a, a big sponsor. They're a, a very big supporter of uh, fantasy football. So uh, I've got a Shells Pilsner beer. You know, they they don't need to mess around with fancy names. They just call it Pilsner beer and. Uh, 
you know, I, I'm, I'm probably the opposite of you. I'm, I'm not a big hops guy. I'll, I'll drink the occasional IPA, but, uh, um, I'm more tend towards the, the lagers and, uh, in this case, uh, uh, the Pilsner and it's, uh, it's very smooth and, uh, should make for a fun evening. So that's Shell's Brewery in, um, uh, Minnesota? Yes. Uh, August Shell's Brewery. It's been around for, um, I think it's been around for a hundred years. I mean, they, they're, uh, they're a fixture in, uh, the, the German community of New Ulm, Minnesota and, uh, shells is their flagship beer. This is, uh, this is one of their offshoots. And like I said, they don't need to mess around with the fancy name. Hey, we made a Pilsner. Let's just call it Pilsner beer. Hey, it's on my list. I've got, so green belt, uh, tin whiskers over in your neck of the woods and, uh, now shells. So, uh, you know, when the wife and I go out into the world, we always, you know, we'll travel 50 miles or so out of our way just to hit some local breweries. So I always like collecting those names when we're out and about. Well, I tell you, if you land in Minnesota, I mean, not there, in the place that uh, I'm working right now, literally in the parking lot, we, we have a, a brew pub called uh, Abel. And they're a lot like uh, the founders that you were talking about. Everything is very uh, locally sourced, organic, uh, even the... Uh, uh, the the furniture inside the establishment is all you know, built, uh, you know, from local wood and it's handmade. It's just a oh, phenomenal place. And cool. I just uh, had their super giant uh, lager, which was fantastic. But if you uh, let's see, who's got the biggest arm? Maybe you took Joe Flacco and you stood him, uh, you know, for, right about where I work uh, these days. He could probably hit maybe six tap rooms. I mean, it's just uh, it's phenomenal in Minneapolis and St. Paul and uh, Tin Whiskers. Uh, that's probably three miles from my house. Uh, there's another one that's uh, even closer called Wabasha that, that does a great, uh, a great jalapeno beer. I mean, hmm. uh, like I said, if, if you ever are in town, I can probably get you to, uh, 15 places that, uh, uh you'll be very excited to, to sample what they've got. You had me when the pants came off and now we're adding 15 breweries. Uh, I got the car warmed up as we speak, sir. We're, we're waiting for you. We're waiting. <laughs> All right. So, uh, hey, before we get into the Vegas vibes here and talk about uh, some Vegas picks and how that might give us some insight into the upcoming week 11, let's kick it off with a bit of trivia. Number one for the evening. Now, John, we're approaching, as I said, week 11. Uh, the whole world will get to see the NFL regular season debut of the number one overall pick. In so doing, Jeff Fisher is hoping to get the critics guff his back, if you will. I mean, the rookie is ready and Jared to go. Ba-dum-bum. Now, gone are the days, though, two of you, where Aaron Rodgers, I mean, he sat, you know, for a long time. Uh, since, really, you mentioned Flacco, uh, Matt Ryan, I mean, they came in and started right away. Really, since then, it's been a different beast. They've been thrust into the fire. So my question, I mean, we've got a lot of questions about golf, but I've got a trivia question for you. There have been numerous other rookie quarterbacks that have started this season, not counting golf, who's going to make his rookie debut week 11. How many rookie quarterbacks have started this season? I want you to think about that, Mr. Tooby, and you folks at home as well, while we, the, while we pay the bills, and we will be right back. All right, folks, thanks for hanging with us. Stop by pyromaniac.com. We're ramping up the content. We've got the weekly pieces, such as the injury report, uh, the weekly matchups, plus the articles and charts you know and love, uh, the bitch slap 
targets, touches, and looks, pyro power rankings, weekly pickups, so much more we're cranking out over at pyropaniac.com. All right, as I said, we're going to see Goff for the first time, but he's not going to be the first rookie quarterback we've seen this season. How many rookie quarterbacks have started an NFL game so far in 2016? What do you think, Tootie? I can come up with three for sure. I know it's more than that. Uh, I'm going to go with four. Now, interesting. I came up with three sort of thinking off my off the head, off my bat uh, originally, but I believe I came up with a total of five. We've got Dak, of course. You've got Carson Wentz. You've got Cody Kessler. And then sandwiched in there, we got a little Paxton Lynch and uh, Jacoby Brissett. Five. The five. And yet, yeah. we haven't seen the number one pick. <laughs> so, I, my question is, why not 2v1? I mean, and it's one of the reasons I'm going to talk about a defense starting against them, but do you have any guesses? I mean, do you think he's really that bad? Is it Jeff Fisher? Uh, who is blowing this thing, or is he just going to be that bad? What What's your money? My money is I think he is going to be that bad, and I think we're going to see a, a pretty horrific game. Um, but is there any other conceivable reason for keeping him under wraps for so long other than he just hasn't cut the mustard? My guess is that Fisher saw what the Broncos did last year where they won with defense, and they didn't necessarily need quality quarterback play. And he thought, maybe we've got the defense to do that, and I can buy some time for my rookie quarterback. I don't need to throw him to the Wolves. Um, and, and we can, uh, you know, make our way in this division, get into the playoffs. Um, and then once he got, I think, this far into the season, now he didn't want it to look like he was reacting. So um, he didn't start him on the road at New York. Um, you know, and, and they got a win. I believe it was their third win where they didn't even score a touchdown. So now he goes home. It's a home game. He's not reacting to a loss and, and starting him out of, um, you know, because we have nothing else. So I, I think Fisher's kind of tried to, at this point, play it to, to his strengths. Now, I'm certainly on board with you being concerned about uh, just how good Goff's going to be out of the gates. But on the other hand, you have to play him now. You've invested the pick. It's a sunk cost. This guy's going to be your future. Every rep you give him from here on out can only help the team going forward if if you're not planning on winning this year. And I don't think the Rams are planning on winning this year. <laughs> certainly, certainly aren't. And that's uh, Jeff Fister, Mr. Mr. 8-8 eight eight himself. Now, uh, that's not one of the, the games I want to highlight when we look at uh, what Vegas is telling us. But... Uh, I got a few I want to talk about, but just to give a quick sampling of some, and I'll, I'll kick it to you, Tuvi, to, to get your thoughts, but just a couple quickies. I've got Tampa at Kansas City, KC, 7.5-point favorites, and they have 26 implied team points. Uh, this certainly speaks to a, a ground game, a wear game, and uh, after seeing Smith lately, I really think we're going to see a good ground game, a wear game this week. We've got Jacksonville at Detroit, two bad teams playing, so some garbage points here. Uh, opened up with Detroit six and a half point favorites. Detroit has a just south of 27 implied team points, of course, for you Jag owners when adjusting for schedule. 
Detroit comes in basically bottom of the barrel for against quarterbacks, Detroit against wide receivers, and against tight ends. So you could have some nice garbage plays both sides of the ball there. Baltimore at Dallas. Now, on the surface, Cowboys favored by 7.5, but Baltimore, I tell you, they're tough against the run in the fantasy world. Only two teams allowing fewer PPR points per game. Uh, one that also is really sticking out to me is Pitt at Cleveland. Uh, Pitt, nine-point road favorites, opened up 49.5 over-under, and uh, Pitt's got a real high implied team total, just over 29 points. John, any of those games, uh, are you eyeballing uh, this week for fantasy? Uh, that last one that you mentioned, the Pittsburgh-Cleveland, uh, you know, and you mentioned the uh, implied total, the the size of the spread, uh, that leads me to think that this could be a, a Duke Johnson type of game. I don't think the Browns are going to be able to um, bang Isaiah Crowell, um, and and they really they they've kind of shied away from that, and they've been forced to shy away from that. But uh, even though Crowell's kind of creeping up there uh, as far as the the number of targets he's getting out of the backfield. This feels like it could be a nice uh, PPR opportunity for Duke Johnson, that uh, a guy that's probably floating around in free agent pools, and uh, you can plug into a flex spot or even a, an RB two spot if you're, uh, uh, you know, caught by injuries or, or bye week issues, and uh, and get a little something out of him. Boy, John, that's it's a good segue there to uh, a possible uh, pick that I'm gonna have a bit later for a pick and flick when we uh, talk about some waiver wire guys. I am of the same mind as you. Now, looking at Vegas, which I really like to do, it gives me an idea of who, where the points are going to be, according to the Vegas Sharps, and of course, where there are touchdowns, fantasy goo should follow. So, a couple other ones out there. Certainly, the New England-San Fran game, I mean, that has positive game script written all over it for the Patriots. The over-under, 51.5 is what it opened up with. Uh, the Patriots are 13.5-point favorites. San Fran only has an implied team total, at least opened up with an implied team total of 19. Patriots opened up expected to score just over 32 points, 32.5. To my party-damaged alcohol-swimming mind, uh, that's the most implied points I can remember so far this season. Now, I believe... Uh, this is going to be a blunt game. Uh, I'm going to talk a lot about blunt. He is indeed the cover of episode 53. Now, uh, one other one, perhaps, uh, Green Bay at Washington. This one opened up 50 points. It's a pretty narrow spread, so lots of points to be had on both sides. Washington implied team total of just over 26. I could see a shootout here. You can never count out Aaron Rodgers. He's got the guys like Devontae Adams, Jordy Nelson, that can be called upon for big games. Cousins, he's averaging 300 yards. He's got five uh, multi-touchdown games. Packers, they've been just horrific against opposing quarterbacks. They've allowed six to toss over 280 yards. Uh, we saw what happened last week against the Titans. And both sides of the ball, I'm really liking plays in this game. Uh, John, any other games out there that uh, you've got your eye on for fantasy? Uh, the Tennessee Indy game, uh, now that's got uh, as high an, an over-under as any on the board. I believe it It started at 52.5. I haven't checked uh, uh, what it is recently, but uh, at that point it was the, the top score on the board. That suggests that uh, you know it's not just going to be Andrew Luck. I mean, you can go all the way through your 
indie receivers. You can even, if you're scraping the bottom of the barrel, you can throw in, you know, Kendall Wright, Richard Matthews. Uh, you're obviously going to put your running backs in play, uh, both tight ends. I mean, if you've got, uh, uh, a spot to fill uh, in a lineup, uh, Tennessee Indy is a, a decent place that you should be able to find someone in the free agent pool that you can plug in that uh, you could uh, get some points out of this week. Yeah, I love this game too. Uh, both sides of the ball, like you say. Now, historically, I looked up the spread on this one. Historically, uh, the Titans won in four against the spread in their last no- five November games. Uh, Colts, in that same month, do very well, 10-3 and three against the spread. But let's just move on from what the Titans used to be. I don't think we, we can look back to you know, years past and really get an accurate reflection of what the Titans are. I mean, in their last six games, now they've got an implied team total in this game, at least they opened up with an implied team total of 25. In their last six games... The Titans have put up at least 26 points in every single outing, and they've won all their games in that span. Not only that, five of the six saw them crush their opponent by at least a full touchdown or more. In the last five games, they would have covered the over-under fairly handily. So I really like the over in this one, I think, like you say. Lots of fantasy points to be had. And uh, I'm starting, guys, both sides of the ball on this one. I, I think there's a lot of goo going on there. Could be some nice, uh, could be a nice game stack. We always talk about player stacks, but I think this is going to be a high-scoring game. So I'm going I'm to want wide receivers from both teams going in this one, counting that Vegas is going to be right, and it is going to be a high-scoring game. All right, Mr. Tooby, let's turn to streaming, if you will, please. Now, we're going to start off with the quarterback spot. And the way we do it here on the Pyro Light is looking at NFL Fantasy. Now, I always check the waiver wire. NFL Fantasy is the, the one I use after waivers have passed. So Thursday, Friday. And those are the guys that I'm going with. Now, looking back in the rearview mirror, I've been tracking all my picks thus far, and I've been adding them up through 10 weeks. I'm at 174.9. I'm using FF today, PPR scoring, not that it matters for quarterback, and I would have the seventh best quarterback right now in between Dak and Rivers if you would have gone with my guy every week and, again, available in 50% of leagues or more. Now, this week, I got a couple guys. I'm going to have my one official one, but uh, who are you eyeballing this week at the quarterback spot? Well, it's not uh, – I'll be amazed to see who who you do pick because it, it's a slim uh, week it is. for quarterbacks. Uh, yeah. Uh, you already disparaged my guy Alex Smith. Uh, it's it's not it's a good matchup, but he's got one touchdown in his last couple games. Yeah. I think the best you can hope for from him is is you know a two twenty five and two at Arrowhead, which is a fairly typical outing for him yep. somewhere between one and two touchdowns. So uh, I'll I'll roll with uh, Colin Kaepernick. Uh, he's averaging the same uh, number of rushing yards per game as Todd Gurley. And, you know, so that buys him an extra touchdown right there, 57 rushing yards a game. And uh, per our friends at uh, 4 for 4, he gets a Patriots defense that's giving up the sixth most schedule-adjusted fantasy points to quarterbacks. So he's going to be playing catch-up. He's going to be running. Um, It won't be pretty. It'll be very Blake Bortles-like. But I think uh, Kaepernick might be a guy you can plug in and get some help from this week. Yeah, he like you say, it's thin pickings 
Um, with, with Smith, you know, Smith is the, the perfect floor of play, except this year he hasn't exactly been that. I mean, last week, goodness gracious, he had Kelsey, who, who could have caught two additional touchdowns, and he just flat out missed him a couple times. So I'm a little leery of Smith, but like you say, floor play is what you're looking for. And in a week, that's really, really scarce. Uh, you're going to take what you can get on the waiver wire. My official guy is indeed Kaepernick. Uh, like you say, 4-for-4 four 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 adjusted. It's a favorable matchup. And since he's come back, uh, week six, I believe, is when he started again. Uh, he's done really well. He leads all quarterbacks with rushing. And again, that's a huge deal. Uh, he's got a pretty solid floor as far as rushing goes. Uh, the man has rushed for at least 55 yards in at least three of four. And that's a touchdown right there. 55 yards, that's 5.5. A passing touchdown in most leagues is four. So you're talking 55 yards, that's a rushing touchdown, basically. So that's my official pick. If he's not available, it's going to be tough. Uh, but Flacco, I guess you're going to go with, he's roughly 80% available, according to uh, NFL Fantasy. Facing the Cowboys, uh, the boys, they've allowed 15 passing touchdowns this season. Every single quarterback has tossed up double digits in fantasy against them. Now, on the season, using FF Today, Dallas is allowing the 14th most fantasy points to opposing pass, catch, or, uh, pass tossers, I suppose, ball tossers. Uh, the touchdowns are just not coming for old Joe. He's only had two multi-touchdown games. Both have been against Cleveland. Uh, but rough week. The other one, man, I'm going to throw a dart here and say Cody Kessler. If there's just nobody, if you can't get Kaepernick, uh, I'd, I would take Smith over Kessler. I'd take Flacco. But Kessler, he, he's a play. Um, I'd be willing to bet he's going to be available. Don't really love it, but, you know, boxes to check. They're at home. Uh, they're going to have to sling it if they want to stay up, at least according to Vegas. Now, Pittsburgh, whom they're facing, has indeed allowed every starting quarterback they've faced to put up double digits this season. So that's what you're hoping for. Double-digit game for Mr. Kessler. The Steelers, they're allowing the fifth most passing yards per game. And again, that's what you want. This guy's going to be passing. At least they're going to have to pass in order to stay with this one. But Kaepernick's my man, uh, and I would take, you know, Flacco, Smith, the very bottom of the barrel. I'd go with Kessler. Moving over to the tight end spot, as again, I'm tracking this. Now, i got to go on a per-game basis because week five, Virgil Green has been plaguing me. Uh, I called him. I even said needs to be cleared, and, of course, he wasn't, and I never tweeted out who my uh, backup pick was. So on the tight end, I do it on a per-game basis. I do the math myself. So there's a margin of error, fair warning. Uh, but if you added it all up, I would have the ninth best tight end right in between Bennett and Kelsey as of right now. Lots of tight ends out there that I like. Who are you taking at the tight end spot, Tubi? Well, I'll go with somebody that uh, on the surface, you know, maybe I can trot out one of my favorite lines from the uh, dramatically underrated F Fletch Lives. Uh, what are you going to do now? Something that at first will seem incredibly stupid. I'm going to play a tight end against the Kansas City Chiefs, who have allowed only one tight end touchdown this year. Uh, but Cameron Brait has become the number two go-to guy in uh, Tampa Bay for, for Jameis Winston. Uh, he's had three straight games with five or more targets and a touchdown. He's got more fantasy points than Travis Kelsey or uh, Jordan Reed. 
And even though it's not a great matchup, he's still, for some reason, floating around uh, in free agent pools. And uh, I think it's time to fish Cameron Braid out and put him in your lineup. Well, one, I don't know if I'd say dramatically underrated. Is that Fletch Lives, you say? <laughs> I mean, hey, I, I'm a Fletch guy all the way. Fletch Lives, though. Eh, I'm not so sure about that one. But I do agree with you on Bray. I just tweeted out something about Bray. I believe, not looking at my Twitter account, but I believe he's got as many touchdowns as Witten and Kelsey, I believe, put together. Five. And uh, you say the Kansas City Chiefs have only allowed one uh, touchdown to tight ends. To me, that stinks of regression. I think that number is going to regress to the mean. And I, I like the Bray call. A couple other ones out there. Boy, I'm not sure exactly. I was kind of sometimes I leave it open here to see if uh, my co-host can help me with my official pick. Real quick though, Fedorowicz, he's out there, uh, 94%. Fuller, this is gonna be tough though because Fuller's gonna be a game time decision, which would make me like him more. Except it's a Monday nighter. Now Oakland, they've historically been bad against tight ends. They're they're much better though this year. Fedorowicz, he scored every other week since week four. He's due. Uh, but again, Monday night, and you're just not going to have that crystal ball. It's, it's not going to be clear if he's going to get more looks, a bigger slice of the pie, if indeed Fuller's out. You know, I kind of even like Richard Rodgers. Talked about this game at the start. He's uh, 90% available. Now, double R, he's really touchdown dependent, but as we said, this one opened 51. I think this is going to be a shootout uh, when you adjust for schedule, as 4 for 4 does, which I really like. Uh, Washington ranks as the 25th toughest. So bottom of the barrel, 25th toughest against PPR tight end. So he's a play. The guys that's really coming down to for me is going to be two. Clay, believe it or not, old double C, Charlie Clay, 97% available. The Bengals, whom they're facing, second worst against opposing tight ends when you adjust for schedule. Cincy has allowed... Tight ends, the second most yards so far this season, 710. Since he's allowed the third most PPR points to the position, and in the last five weeks, no team has given up more fantasy points on a per-game basis. Now, Charlie Clay, I think he can get himself in the end zone. Positive regressions are coming. What better team to do it against than the Bengals? Who, aside from Gronk and Reed, I mean, of course, Gronk and Reed are going to score. Tuvi, they've allowed touchdowns from Jesse James, Jarrell Adams, Xavier Grimble, and John Phillips, the latter of whom, Mr. John Phillips, I went to the library, I, I loaded up the microfiche, you know, I, I wound up the spool, and after some investigative research, apparently, John Phillips plays in the National Football League. Uh, I did not know that. Currently on the Saints of New Orleans after he left the Broncos, where he scored his one and only touchdown on five catches. Did it against the team that Clay is playing against. So I like Clay this week. I also like Ladarius Green. Uh, I did not like this man at the beginning of the season. Uh, we're talking early summer when everybody was all over Ladarius. Thought he was overhyped. He never really stood out. Even in games when Gates was out, I didn't think he was the man. But Pitt's on the road, facing Cleveland. When you adjust for schedule, Cleveland is dead last against opposing tight ends, regardless of format. Here's how bad Cleveland is. 
they are one worse than Detroit, which to me says a lot against the tight end. On the season, Cleveland has allowed opposing tight ends the most receptions, the most yards, tied for the most touchdowns, the most total PPR fantasy points, and the most fantasy points per game. That's who Ladarius Green plays. Tubi, between Green and Clay, who would you go with? Well, one of the other names I had written down, uh, but I was going to save him and talk about him later, is Ladarius Green. So if that helps you break the tie, uh, right. I'm Ladarius. All right, I will go Green. Against the uh, the better angels on my shoulder earlier this season. I was not in favor of them, but I, I think it's a great game. It's a great matchup. Uh, I, I'm putting him in bold. He is the official pick. Let's move over to the third streamable position, as they say, and look at the defense uh, in the rearview mirror. If you were to add it up, now last week I actually went with two. It wasn't hard to do the math because I went with Atlanta and the Jets, so they both had three points. So you take the aggregate, you take the average, and you get three points. So through 10 weeks, uh, I'm at 50. Uh, I use FF today. That has me tied for 10th best defense. So thus far, I'm, I'm top 10 at all streamable or, I suppose, uh, streamable waiver wire positions. Uh, defense, there's a lot to be liked. I've got two official written down. Um, haven't had my official pick though, but I got two guys I want to talk about or two defenses. You are my guest, sir. So kick it off. Which defense would you pick up off the waiver wire and play in week 11? Well, I, I stopped at one because it was such an obvious pick and you've alluded to them earlier in the show and I'm sure they're one of the two, uh, but I'm going to go with the, uh, Miami Dolphins against, uh, Jared Goff making his, uh, his NFL debut. The, the quarterback that, uh, kept him, um, on the bench, uh, is second in the NFL in picks. Uh, the Rams are sixth in fantasy points allowed to opposing defenses. They're tied for 10th in sacks allowed. And Jared Goff couldn't supplant that. So now he steps in uh, for an offense averaging 15 points a game. I mean, nothing in there says don't, you know, run, don't walk to get the Dolphins into your lineup. Uh, they're already eighth in fantasy points scored uh, by defense, so I'm not sure why they're floating around in free agent pools. They're tied for sixth in interceptions. They're top 12 in sacks. They do everything you uh, you want a defense to do to put points on the board, and, oh, they get a rookie quarterback making his debut. So uh, for me, I saw that one, and I thought, eh, I can cut the research short here. I, I think I got my answer. I'm That's indeed one of the two. Uh, as you said, a rookie quarterback playing on a team that in the last 12 quarters of play have scored two touchdowns. There's just not much happening there. And even Miami, now this was surprising. I, too, wrote down a bunch of stats. Uh, you covered them well. Uh, one I'll toss out there, though, according to FF Today, in the last five weeks on a per-game basis, there's not a defense out there that's scoring more points than Miami, which surprised me because I was really going at it from the angle of how bad Goff is or the mistakes he's expected to make. Um, how bad the Rams are, they're uh, 21st in adjusted sack rate, but I was surprised at how well Miami's doing as of late, so I do like Miami. The other one, and uh, we'll, we'll put it to the test here, see if you this sways you. I like the Titans of Tennessee. Now, they're on the road, and I don't normally like a road D, but they're facing the Colts. As we said, lots of points to be had, but that also means there's lots of mistakes to be made. There's lots of sacks and lots of interceptions. 
rarely do you really get points. Now, I do like the Miami play because the Rams are not expected to score much. But usually, fantasy points on a defense comes from interceptions and sacks. So, cue in the Tennessee Titans playing the Colts. Colts, they've allowed a league high, 33 sacks. So, it's no surprise that Football Outsiders ranks them 31st in adjusted sack rate. So, how might they hold off Tennessee? Well, the Titans, for their part, have 28 sacks. Only four defenses have accumulated more. Football Outsiders only has 10 teams that are better on the defensive line in adjusted sack rate than the Titans. Uh, according to FF Today, looking at a per-game basis, Colts have allowed opposing Ds to put up the third most points per game. Uh, Andrew Luck, in their last two games, has a 1-to-1 TD interception ratio. Uh, in that span, he's sub-70% on his aimed throws. So I like, I think the Tennessee Titans... It makes some magic happen with uh, the amount of action that's going to be had in this game. Mistakes to be had. You think that outweighs? I mean, we're talking about luck. 33 sacks, Tubi. That's a lot. Uh, do you think that outweighs the performance or perhaps the mistakes that are expected to come from Goff? You think the Titans might be a better player or is just Miami a safer floor? You know, it's funny you uh, you picked the Titans. Uh, one of the uh, segments we do on uh, on our on the Fantasy Football Party podcast uh, is called Fifty Fifty, which is very similar to this. Uh, uh, being a, on an ESPN affiliate, we use the ESPN uh, website and and players owned in less than fifty percent uh, of those leagues. And then the three hosts, we have a draft, and we draft uh, um, a quarterback, a running back, a wide receiver, a tight end, a flex, a defense, and a kicker uh, from those uh, players or, or teams that are not uh, owned in 50% of leagues. And, you know, kind of the same thing, uh, streaming uh, options or low-end DFS plays, that sort of thing. Yeah. And Titans were my uh, were my pick this week for a lot of those same reasons. They're coming off a five-sack, two-pick game. They get a Colts team that's allowed multiple sacks in every game this year, uh, picks in two straight. So um, you wouldn't have to push too hard for me to uh, to swing over to the Titans. However, that said, um if uh, if the Dolphins were an option, I would have uh, jumped on them in a heartbeat. So close, but I'm still leaning Miami. Well, I had Miami first. They are indeed my, my league of record, my high school league. They are indeed the, the team. As soon as the news broke, I went out and streamed them, picked them up right away. Uh, so I, I'm putting Miami in bold. To be the beauty of this little arrangement here is if indeed uh, this looks good next week, I can talk about what a great pick I made. Uh, if it doesn't go well next week, I can throw you under the bus. Exactly. Excellent. Exactly. I've been there before. Yeah. <laughs> All right. As have I, uh, ask my wife. Take my wife, won't you, please? Um, moving on to the pick and flick segment, but honestly, it's the same segment. We just refer to streaming when we talk about quarterbacks, tight ends, and defenses. But uh, now we're just talking about in this case, running backs, and then, soon to come, uh, wide receivers that are available, 50% of NFL fantasy leagues. Now, looking in the rear view, uh, I'm charting all of this. Now, a lot of times I'll pick more than one in, in uh, this case. Not always. But uh, So if that happens, I do the aggregate. Week six, I had three picks, in fact, uh, but I average it out. So through 10 weeks, 144.4. 
That would be running back nine, right in between Blunt and Gore. Doing all right, man. Top ten, if you were listening to me in all positions thus far. So, boy, I got a lot of running backs. One official. And uh, I, I listed a lot because, you know, you never know who's available on the waiver wires out there. But who do you like this week uh, for a running back that you can grab off the waiver wire and possibly plug right into your lineup for week 11? Well, it's tough for me to acknowledge this guy as a, a waiver wire guy because I believe he's on my team and, and I probably even drafted him because he he was solid for me last year. He's, he's a, one of those pass-catching backs that you don't think about, um, but... You know, I guess uh, in, in a lot of leagues, uh, that's that's not as valued. Or maybe I'm just playing in, in leagues that are too big, or, or maybe I just overvalue my own players. But uh, uh, the one guy I really like is Chris Thompson against the Packers. Um, they've got the sixth toughest defense to run on, and, and Jay Gruden has no problem throwing the ball. And, and Thompson is a, a real security blanket for Kirk Cousins. He's caught every target thrown to him since week four. Um, he's uh, a top 15 among running backs in both targets and receptions. Uh, and the Packers have already allowed games like uh, seven catches to Theo Riddick, six catches to Bobby Rainey, the, the true uh, pass-catching backs that they've faced. So uh, I really like what Chris Thompson brings to the table this week. Uh, along those same lines, I like Kenneth Dixon. He got seven targets last week, and, and game script suggests that Baltimore is going to be playing catch-up to uh, the Cowboys. And the Cowboys have allowed a back or someone out of the backfield We'll get to that in a second. To catch five or more balls in five straight games, you've got uh, Le'Veon Bell, you've got Isaiah Crowell, you've got uh, you've got Darren Sproles. The, that might uh, you might remember the Ty Montgomery game where he was playing out of the backfield. He had ten for ninety-eight in that game. Uh, Gio Bernard had a, a six-catch game, so it really sets up nicely for Kenneth Dixon to finally return a little bit of that investment that uh, people were putting on him you know, early on, either in the preseason when they thought he'd win the job or you know, about week four when, when he first came back and people were excited at, uh, at what he brought to the table. Boy, I like those calls uh, quite a bit. Now, Dixon, I've got him written down as well. I've been on Dixon since the, the preseason, really. We talked to here at Pyro, uh, Pyro Favorites, uh, one of the draft gurus he's been drafting for years and years started working for uh, Oakland when he was about 14 years old Dave T. Thomas he uh, was talking all about Dixon pass catching ability really liked him I too liked him didn't quite burst like we thought got banged up West seized his opportunity uh, but now it, it really is Dixon's time uh, in the last four games Dixon is not um, surpassed Four, I'm sorry, uh, West has not surpassed four yards of carry. Uh, 3.1 was the high in the last three games. And in fact, if you look on the other side, Dixon's snaps are increasing while West's are decreasing, especially in the last two games. And uh, I think everything is shifting towards Dixon. So I do like that one. Uh, I think that's a great call. Last five weeks, Dallas has given up most receiving yards to opposing backs. A couple other guys just to toss out before I get to my official one. Now, they don't really count. Um, Procise, he's not official, meaning he's not on or available in 50% of NFL leagues, but I do like him. Just in case he's out there, you know, they let go of C-Mike for a reason. The Silver Fox, Pete Carroll, basically in response to uh, the Christian Michael ordeal, says we're going with the guys that we originally wanted to go with. That is Procise Rawls. Rawls is, is making his debut, but are they really going to 
put that much work on the Rawls, you know, coming right back from injury. Uh, I don't think they necessarily need to. They're going to want to keep him healthy. And this, to me, seems like a, a great Dixon game. So, or I'm sorry, Procise game. So uh, I like him a lot if he's available. Uh, I think he is a nice call. You mentioned this earlier, Duke Johnson. He's not official. He is not available in 50% of leagues. But Cleveland's home, as you said, negative game script because Pittsburgh is expected to handily win this game. Means Cleveland's going to have to pass. Call Duke Johnson for that. Especially against Pittsburgh. According to Football Outsiders, on average, 57 receiving yards allowed to opposing backs coming out of the backfield. That's what Pittsburgh allows. Now, although he's not available uh, in 50% or precise, I, I still want to mention him just in case. I also like Deion Lewis. He's not my official one. I do like him, but I really like him more down the line. As I said, this is going to be a blunt game, but if you can get Deion Lewis now, that's fantastic. Hang on to him because there's going to be better days ahead for Lewis. I don't think they're going to throw the load on his back. Uh, not this week anyway in such a great blunt game. They're going to save him more for a, a playoff run. But if he's out there, I'd grab him. My official guy, you went with Thomas or uh, Thompson. I'm going with uh, Rob Kelly. He qualifies on NFL Fantasy. He is available in over 50% of leagues. Seen over 20 totes in the last two games. Uh, 87 yards in the last two was his low so I like him for a good floor. He's getting the rock quite a bit. Uh, Matt Jones, probably another healthy scratch. Uh, now, he does lose a bit in PPR, as you mentioned with Thompson. I know he faces Green Bay, and on paper, Green Bay looks really good. But because this game's going to be such a high score, 26 over 26 implied points for Washington. Green Bay, I know they're a funnel D, but in the last three weeks... There are only three teams that have allowed more fantasy points to the running back position in that span of time. They've allowed running backs to put up a total of 405 all-purpose yards and five touchdowns. So on paper, Green Bay looks really good. I think it is more of a paper ranking. So I do like what Rob Kelly can deliver, at least for the floor, this week. He's my official call. Before we turn to the wide receiver spot, let's pause for a commercial break, but before we do, let me give you the next trivia question. When looking at FF Today, as I often reference and use, I scanned the top 20 most targeted tight ends. Now, just to give you a feel, the top tight end has 78 targets. Number 10 has 57. Number 20 has 43 targets on the season. So I'm talking about tight ends, top 20, 43 targets and up. So, we're talking about a group that's fairly involved. A bunch of guys fairly involved with their team, the tight ends. Now, of these top 20 tight ends, there are three that have yet to score a touchdown. I wonder, I wonder if you can name two. Think about that as you listen to this, and we'll be right back with the Pyro Light Podcast and John Tootie. Welcome back, Pyromaniacs. Before we get to trivia question number two, I just want to remind folks that uh, we know that you love playing fantasy football. So we know you'll love playing fantasy on draft. 
Draft is a simple daily fantasy app where you can do snake drafts, just like the ones you do at the beginning of the season in your uh, year-long leagues. You can do drafts whenever you want. The last four just uh, or the last one I did only took a couple of minutes, and I was able to land DeMarco Murray, who I really like this week. Now, on draft, you can play for free, or better yet, you can make a little money doing it. And get this, your chances of winning on draft are over 200% better than your chances of winning on those other sites. So, join me when you download draft. Be sure you enter the promo code PYRO. That's P-Y-R-O. To download, just search Draft in the App Store, and it will come up first thing, or you can go to PlayDraft.com. Remember to enter the promo code PYRO, P-Y-R-O. So when you download and when you deposit, you get a 100% deposit bonus. Make sure you download Draft. Now, I'm going to see you there. All right, Mr. Tubi, we said out of the top 20 targeted tight ends, there are three that have yet to cross the paint. I'm wondering if you can name two of those three tight ends that have yet to score. I know one is Gary Barnage because uh, as a guy who thought I was getting a real value when he tumbled and tumbled <laughs> and tumbled in whatever draft, I didn't go in dra- you know, wanting to draft him. I didn't think he'd uh, put up the numbers he did last year, but I thought well, he'd at least be reasonably close. And uh, I know he hasn't gotten in the end zone. Uh, and I'm pretty sure that Dennis Pitta has not gotten into the end zone because I, I thought I looked that up when uh, yet another Ravens tight end got into the end zone, and that wasn't him <laughs> last week. Um, I'll try and hit all three. Uh, maybe uh, I know Dwayne Allen has been seriously vultured, and I don't recall a touchdown from him, so I'll go with uh, Barnage, Pitta, and Allen. Well, you hit the two right off. Uh, the bat there, and uh, I'm looking up just to see where uh, Dwayne Allen comes in. But, as you said, Dennis Pitta, who ironically is 66 targets, he is number two, and he has yet to score. Barnage comes in as the 11th, or tied for the 11th most targeted tight end with 54 yet to score. And my boy, I mentioned earlier, Charles Clay, that Positive touchdown regression was a coming. He's got 46 targets and nary a touchdown. Now, Jack Doyle on Indy, he's got four, and he comes in at uh, 18th most targeted. But uh, got to look way down the line to get to your Dwayne Allen. He's got two touchdowns and 29 targets. So out of the top 20, you hit the two. I asked for two out of the three. You're still alive in this thing. You had Pitta. You had Barnage. And Mr. Clay was that third who I think he's going to regress to the mean, uh, especially this week, uh, playing a defense that really allows for tight ends to score. Moving on along, we've got one more streamable, or I suppose um, pick-and-flickable position, and that's wide receivers. Now, once again, folks, we're talking about guys that are available on 50% of NFL waiver wires or NFL fantasy waiver wire um, spots. We, we try to name as many as possible just because every league is a bit different. And looking in the rear view mirror, I'm charting all my picks. If you were to uh, take my advice week in, week out, got 151 points. That's good enough for 11th best wide receiver right in between Brandon Cooks and Demarius Thomas. So... 
I got a few names written down, and a few of these guys are going to pop up in future segments just a bit later on. But uh, who do you like at the at the wide receiver spot, too? Well, since you've already uh, scuttled uh, Fletch Lives as being criminally underappreciated, yeah, I'll uh, stick by that. I'm gonna stick I'll, I'll go with uh, the uh, short-lived FX television show Terriers, and, and the fact that this guy's available in uh, less than or more than fifty percent of leagues uh, is as criminally underappreciated as as that great show Terriers. That's Jamison Crowder. Uh, I don't know what the guy's got to do to get on a roster, and, and he gets Green Bay this week. Uh, we're, we're seeming to talk about a lot of uh, opportunities against the Packers. Slot guys have done okay against the Packers. Uh, Stephon Diggs had a 182-yard game against him. Cole Beasley scored twice against him. Uh, both Kendall Wright and Anquan Bolden, who do a lot of their work out of the slot, got in the end zone. And Crowder scored in 3 of 4, and he topped 100 yards in the game where he didn't have a touchdown. So even if Deshaun Jackson makes it back this week, uh, Jamison Crowder is uh, is heavily targeted by Kirk Cousins, and uh, and he's uh, my go-to guy uh, at receiver this week. Uh, another one that's probably flying under the radar is a guy that uh, I, the year he came out, I made him a first-round pick in a, in my rookie dynasty league. Um, he hasn't quite lived up to that, but maybe now he's he's starting to. Uh, Robert Woods, he gets the Bengals this week, and it's another situation where possession guys have done very well against this opponent. The Bengals gave up uh, 7 for 61 to Jarvis Landry, uh, 4 for 53 and a touchdown to Cole Beasley. Uh, Jamison Crowder, who we just talked about, had 9 for a buck 7 and a touchdown. Uh, Woods has 20 targets over the last couple weeks, uh, 10 for 162 last week against Seattle. And uh, I'm not worried about Percy Harvin cutting into his uh, his bit. I think uh, Robert Woods gets it done again this week. Well, I tell you, uh, we seem to have the same thing last time. Great minds think alike. My highlighted wide receiver is indeed Crowder. Uh, you mentioned many of the same points I did, but, you know, Washington expected to score over 26 points. Green Bay is a funnel D, so they're likely to pass against them. And uh, you talked about all the slot guys. I would even add uh, Hilton, who didn't score a touchdown, but six catches for 82. And uh, Atlanta, I, I'm not sure because they're on bye this week, but I think Gabriel plays out of the slot. He scored a touchdown. And I believe even in that game, there was another Atlanta wide receiver that scored a touchdown. A lot of this is coming up against Micah Hyde. Uh, he is the Green Bay's slot corner. Now, we know Josh Norman. He doesn't go into the slot. So I really like Crowder just like you do. Uh, we've got... I believe Deshaun Jackson, who looks to be a game time decision. And even if he's not, Mike Hyde is really the thing that's turning me on to this. Um, Hyde surrenders a fantasy point for every three routes run. We went through, you went through, uh, all of the slot guys that have scored a touchdown, like say Beasley, even two. Uh, even Dig, God, he had a great day, 182 yards and that touchdown, nine catches. So slot guys have really done well against Hyde. Now, I got to tell you, there are 84 starting cornerbacks this week. Hyde comes in at number 79. So out of all of the starters, there you can only round up five that are actually graded lower than Hyde this week, and that's who Crowder's going to be facing. So I am all over that one. I also got two, uh, two guys that perhaps are going to pop up a bit later. One of them is on San Francisco. And it's going to be a bit of a surprise. Now, of course, you pick San Francisco because of the negative game script. They're going up against the Patriots. 
San Francisco is going to need to start throwing before they get off the bus if they want to have a chance in this one. Uh, they're on that losing side of a 13.5-point spread. Chip Kelly's boys ain't been doing it, and they're going to need to pass. Teams facing the Patriots, fourth most points allowed. to or uh, Teams facing the Patriots the, against the pass, fourth most points allowed. Uh, I think the man, though, is not Curly. It's going to be Quentin Patton. That's the surprise, I think. Last couple of weeks, since week six, since week six, when Kaepernick took over, he returned to the lineup, Patton leads all San Francisco pass catchers in snaps, 224, targets, 29, receptions, 16, yards, 223. I think Patton is going to be the man they're going to need to pass. Patton's the guy that looks to draw Kaepernick's eye. The other guy I'm going to toss out, Chris Conley, available in a plethora of leagues out there. Uh, Casey, playing at Arrowhead, like you say, tough place to win. Playing Tampa on the season. If you look on a points-per-game basis, there's only two teams that are allowing over 40 fantasy points to opposing wide receivers, and Tampa Bay is one. Kansas City, they're expected to score 26 points. Now, I said earlier, I think this is going to be a wear game, as I do. But here's the deal. Chris Conley's facing Vernon Hardgraves. Pro Football Focus grades a total of 117 cornerbacks. So they have a number that they have assigned to 117 different guys. So I'm not even just talking about starters. We're talking about, you know, backups as well, guys that see some playing time. Out of 117, Vernon Hardgraves comes in at 1-1. Two, 112. So, Chris Conley could be the man, and Macklin, questionable, which could enlarge Conley's slice of the pie. Moving over to, well, before we do, uh, I should look back in the rearview mirror as we are getting into the defensive, or the uh, daily fantasy spot. Daily Fantasy. Now, I usually do a bit of DraftKings, but I started doing Draft as well, and I dabble in FanDuel, so I do it all here. Now, with DraftKings, i got to put out this little caveat here. You can't score it the same. So I'm trying to chart, give that fishbowl to you, let the folks know how I'm doing. And with uh, Daily Fantasy, I look for the value. So on DraftKings, let's say, if you score 3x, that means for every $1,000, if you can put up 3 points, you're doing really well. Chances are you're going to be in the money. So you get a $50,000 allotment at the beginning. If you put up 150, chances are you're going to be taking home some coin at the end of the day. So I look for value. So I added up all my value. I, I do the math. Uh, through 10 weeks, I've actually picked... 14 quarterbacks, and I've done the division, uh, it come out at 3.2x value. So I'm over 3x value at the quarterback spot. I got two that I'm eyeballing. Uh, we've talked a little bit about, uh, well, you've talked about some receivers, and I have as well from both of my quarterbacks. But uh, who do you like in daily fantasy at the quarterback spot this week? Yeah, it sounds like we might be leaning uh, towards the same guys uh, because we have talked uh, a lot about uh, the the teammates of uh, one of the guys, Kirk Cousins. I've got a uh, $5,800 price tag on DraftKings. Uh, he gets the Packers. 
They love to throw. Jay Gruden not uh, not shy about throwing the ball around, throwing to his backs, throwing to his tight ends, uh, throwing to Jamison Crowder in the slot. So a lot of opportunities for for Kirk Cousins and uh, uh, for a couple hundred bucks less on DraftKings, Tyrod Taylor uh, <laughs> get it done with his feet as well as uh, through the air. It's one of the reasons I like Robert Woods. So uh, uh, probably hitting on the same two uh, based on what you said and and that giggle that uh, that maybe you were eyeballing. Indeed, the exact same two. I, I crunched the numbers. I did a lineup before, so I want to make sure all my guys are viable that I officially pick. So uh, I'm officially going with Cousins, but he's the more expensive of the two. 5,800 on DraftKings, uh, Tyrod 5,600. You hit the nail right in the head. I like both these guys. Cousins particular on uh, DraftKings, he's the 14th most expensive. I think he got a heck of a deal there. Um, you know, last three weeks, Green Bay. They've allowed a minimum of 280 yards passing in that span, eight passing touchdowns. That's eight TDs to just two INTs in the last three. I think this one can be a shootout. We saw what the Titans did. Uh, We've talked about the receivers thus far and Cousins. You know, Cousins is on pace uh, to pass for far more yards than he did last year. It's just the touchdowns haven't come. They're going to. The touchdowns are a fickle mistress. Now, he has the fifth most attempts inside an opponent's 20. He has the fourth most inside an opponent's 10. Now, the median for touchdowns scored for trips to the red zone is about 54.5, according to Football Outsiders. Washington is scoring a touchdown at a rate of about every 40%, so 40% of the time they're getting a touchdown. That's 14, almost 15% less than the average team. Uh, I think that number should regress. I even looked it up on teamrankings.com, and they've got it even lower at 38%. So I really think Green Bay, it's going to start to regress to the mean. It's going to swing the other way. The yards are already there. And against Green Bay, again, eight touchdowns in the last three games, I think it's going to happen this week that he's going to put together a heck of a line, or a heck of a DraftKings line, uh, FanDuel as well. And Tyrod's my other guy that I mentioned. You know, according to Fantasy uh, or FF Today, last five weeks, only Breeze, Rogers, Marietta, Dak, and Tom Brady have more fantasy points than Tyrod Taylor. And facing the Bengals, who have given up the second most fantasy points in that time, and especially with the Bengals allowing the third most rushing yards to quarterbacks uh, during that uh, spell as well. Seventh most rushing yards to quarterbacks on the season. Beautiful thing for Tyrod Taylor and Cousins. So great minds continue to think alike, sir. Cousins is my official, but I like dabbling with both guys there. Moving over to the running back spot. Uh, Rear view mirror. I've got uh, 19 guys that I've actually thrown out there. Um, sometimes I'll, I like more than two a week and, and I'll toss it out and I, I do the math, but, uh, I'm at 3.26 value. So again, or I'm sorry, that was my quarterbacks on running backs. I'm at 3.66 value, 19 guys through 10 weeks, 3.66. Um, I got a few guys named as well, but, uh, who are you liking at the running back spot? Well, one of the reasons that uh, I saved a little bit at quarterback and uh, and I've got one running back here that's uh, a bottom of the barrel price is uh, 
I really like Le'Veon Bell this week. Uh, I know the touchdowns haven't been there, but uh, his history against the Browns, uh, how bad the Browns are this year, allowing the second most rushing yards and touchdowns and the fourth most fantasy points to running backs. I'm willing to pay the, the 8800 on DraftKings, the 9100 on FanDuel to get Le'Veon Bell in uh, because you can save a little bit. Uh, LeGarrette Blunt is is not uh, pricey at all, 6400 7300 And, uh, you know, we talked about how bad Cleveland was. No team's given up more rushing yards or rushing touchdowns or fantasy points to running backs, for that matter, than, than the 49ers. And, and Blunt's been money since uh, Tom Brady came back with at least 13 carries and a touchdown in every game. So uh, spending up on those guys, that means I probably got to go uh, dumpster diving uh, with the, uh, a flex spot. So I uh, like Kenneth Dixon for a lot of the reasons I talked about earlier, the, the game script, uh, the fact that he's going to be the pass catching back, and uh, especially uh, in, in DraftKings, I believe, is the one that's the, the full uh, point Correct. PPR. That's, uh, that's where I would really prefer to play him. At the, absolutely. Um, my sentiments exactly. Blunt is one of my official. I am, you know, spending up at the running back spot, but as you said, 6,400 on DraftKings, 73 on FanDuel. That's not spending up by any means. So Blunt, he's kind of one of my pillar plays. I'm getting him in a lot of lineups. I already talked about uh, a little bit about why I love him so much, but, you know, it's not hard to figure out the wild bill. They've got a very high implied team total, highest I can remember this season. They're expected a double-digit victory, 13.5, and they're playing a team that allows the most yards per carry. Check, check, check. That's what Wild Bill looks for. I think this is a blunt game all day long. So I love me some blunt. I've got Bell written down as well, and I do have some cheaper guys so I can reach for uh, the Bells of the world. I also like another expensive guy. He's my second official running back. So I'm going blunt. I do like Bell. I've got him written down, and I'll probably have some shares. But I like DeMarco Murray. Um, he's 600 less on both sites, I believe. Uh, DeMarco Murray, although he's the second most expensive on DraftKings, like I said, 600, that's a, a bit of a jump down from Bell. Um, facing the Colts, highest over-under of the week. You know there's going to be points to be had. Uh, it's only a field goal's worth of a spread, so both teams are going to do some scoring here. Now, according to Pyromaniac's own fantasy points against chart, against opposing running back ones, the Colts are allowing .33 touchdown, uh, receiving touchdowns per game. No team is allowing more receiving touchdowns per game. Uh, you know, Murray gets it done there. Not only that, they're giving up the third most receiving yards to opposing running back ones. Football Outsiders ranks only one team lower than Indy against backs out of the backfield. So again, I'm highlighting this because, as you said, DraftKings full point PPR. I really like Murray there, although I like him in standard as well. Um, four for four schedule adjusted. They rank 30th against uh, running backs as a group. Standard. Uh, 29th in PPR. And the Titans, my goodness, <laughs> If you ha uh, the last three games, if you average the last three games, they're putting up 39 points. So I just don't think there's anything stopping this train from rolling in. A couple other ones I mentioned where I like that game script for him. He's home facing Tampa. And let me give you some lucky number seven. Last five weeks, Tampa has given up the seventh most fantasy points to running backs on a per-game basis. Uh, Jordan Howard, hey, he just had a triple-digit game against him. Now, on the season, Tampa 
also comes in at seventh most for receiving yards given up to opposing running backs. And when you adjust for schedule, as 4 for 4 does, only seven teams rank softer against opposing running backs than Tampa. Gimme where at home with Kansas City. Uh, last one, we talked a little bit about it, ProSize. I, I don't think they're going to really um, toss. They don't need to um, toss out Rawls being one of his first games back. Uh, he's coming off a 22.3 DraftKings week, but he's only 4,200 on, uh, dra- on DraftKings. So full point PPR ProSize is a very nice play here. Uh, Rawls, he's only a hundred bucks more and I'd rather have ProSize this week. Uh, faces Philly. Now they're pretty good against the defense, but only eight teams have allowed more running back receptions. Football Outsiders ranks Philly 24th against opposing running back pass catchers. So lots of running backs. Yeah, I'm kind of spending up at the position, but you can save elsewhere. We're going to tell you how to do it coming up in just a moment, but let's get to trivia. Question number three. We just had a running back surpass the 1,000-yard mark. Now, at this stage of the game, uh, we played Thursday night, week 11. I'm sure you know the answer, but perhaps you might have missed it. Perhaps he's not on some of your fantasy teams, and I'd like to celebrate the moment. Which running back has just gone for over 1,000 yards? You pyromaniacs at home, think about that. Listen to this, and we'll be right back on episode 53. All right, pyromaniacs, thanks for staying with us. As you know, we are in the DFS segment, and fantasy sports fans are winning huge cash prizes every day over at DraftKings.com. That's America's favorite place to play daily fantasy sports. Daily fantasy means there's no season-long commitments. Just play whenever you want. Pick your sport, draft your team. It's like a new season every time you play. So you're never stuck with the same old players. Over $1 billion will be won this year at DraftKings.com, and you could be the next big winner. Go to DraftKings.com now. When you do, enter the promo code PYRO, P-Y-R-O, all new users to DraftKings, Receive a deposit matching bonus, and you get a free $3 game voucher that's on DraftKings.com. Don't forget to use the promo code PYRO, P-Y-R-O. All right, folks, we asked trivia question number three. We're celebrating the milestone here. Which running back just surpassed the 1,000-yard rushing mark? Tuvi, have you been paying attention to the airwaves? Which running back did it? It's got to be Zeke, isn't it? It indeed is. 1,005, but here's the thing that I thought was unique. DeMarco Murray, number two, 930. Number three, Melvin Gordon, 838. It's a pretty big jump down. David Johnson, fourth with 760. So there's quite a difference between uh, the top backs as usual. I'm using FF today to get my stats, but Boy, that's a pretty big uh, gap, I think, between the top. Almost 100 yards almost separates each one. Now, not quite, but 1,005 down to 930, down to 838, down to 760. That's quite a big spread, don't you think, from the top four guys, Ezekiel Elliott, DeMarco Murray, Gordon, and Johnson? 
it certainly speaks to how, how dominant uh, Zeke has been and uh, and with Murray, how, how dominant that uh, Tennessee ground game has been. So uh, I think the rest of it is, is more of a testament to how much of a passing league it's become. But you, know, you look at the records of uh, – the teams that have the top two rushers, uh, you know, maybe the uh, the running back will be back in vogue for the next few years. Perhaps uh, a couple other little implications. Maybe it speaks to uh, zero RB, or as you know, charging says do the opposite. You just you don't have that many guys running backs that is scoring a lot of yards or, or rushing for a lot of yards. But how about this little storyline? Demarco Murray this year easily top two. DeMarco Murray, 2014, top one. DeMarco Murray, 2015, the bottom fell out. What's perhaps the the common denominator there, or maybe the uncommon denominator, and that's, to me, uh, the Chip Kelly. He was trying to jam a square peg into a round hole and use DeMarco where, in a way that didn't speak to his attributes. and. I thought Chip Kelly, I thought we'd see um, a, a lot more revolutionary thinking in, in playing or coaching to his players, and we're not seeing that. I think good coaches get decent production out of decent players. The really great coaches get great production out of decent players, and they will change the coaching script to fit the players. Chip Kelly has not seemed to do that. Do you think that is uh, an implication of Chip Kelly, or was it maybe other factors last year for DeMarco Murray? Well, I mean, why the resurgence with Dallas? Is it really just that offensive line, or was he being misused in Philly? I mean, uh, am I reading too much into it? What do you think? No, he was he was definitely miscast, and, and it's kind of come out that you know, the, the Eagles got Murray as much to get him away from Dallas as they – you know that that was priority one, and then oh now we have to try and find a way to pigeonhole him into this offense that doesn't really fit his strengths. So um, yeah, that that's part of the reason, and and it you know as you said, it speaks to do the opposite or zero running back. In uh, uh, as much as you have to look at the scheme and, and how the back fits the scheme, it isn't necessarily the most talented back. You know, look at Todd Gurley. I, I don't think there's any question that. Todd Gurley is talented. Um, he's just being dramatically underused or, or incorrectly used. I don't see why they need to force feed six touches a game to Benny Cunningham, even in the passing game. I mean, Cunningham's a nice receiver, but if you can get Todd Gurley the ball in space, good things are going to happen. So I think, uh, you know, that it, what Murray did or didn't do last year speaks to how his coach is using him and and you're right it's kind of an indictment of uh, what chip has not been able to do at the uh, nfl level nfl level that he was able to do in college yeah i thought we would i really believed in chip coming out i thought he would sort of take the the game to the next level haven't seen that but uh, I, i'm glad demarco's doing well <laughs> with the exotic smash mouth which i gotta admit i thought was kind of a uh, a punchline for some late night talk shows, either that or you know a European cover band. I wasn't sure, but boy, last six games you can't argue with the results. Um, and uh, I'm sure we'll be even looking at a few of those players here coming up as we turn our attention from DFS running backs to DFS wide receivers. We talked a little earlier. You got to spend up for the running backs this week. 
we we did save some money with Cousins and with uh, T-Mobile at the quarterback spot. You named uh, some viable, cheaper running backs. Um, there are some out there, but I do like spending up the running back spot. So let's see who you've got for wide receivers. Before I, I kick it over to you, um, so far I've been well over 3x value at all my positions, uh, quarterback and running back. Wide receiver, not so much. Uh, through 10 weeks, I've listed 22 players. I'm at 2.7x value, so a little below uh, my 3x goal. Not bad, though. But uh, what do you got for the wide receivers in DFS in Week 11? Well, I am going to spend up at at one spot, and I think uh, Odell Beckham is worth the uh, 8,500 in DraftKings, the 9,000 in FanDuel. Uh, no team's given up more catches to wide receivers than Chicago. They're second in fantasy points allowed to the receiver position. So he's the receiver I'm going to spend heavily on. And uh, throwing all that money at him, I've got to go um, bargain basement with a, with a couple more spots. So Robert Woods, who I've talked a little bit earlier about, 4,900 at DraftKings, 5,400 at FanDuel, uh, for all the reasons that we like Tyrod Taylor. Uh, and I talked about uh, Woods being uh, a possession guy and, and facing a defense in the Bengals that's given up some successful games to uh, those types of receivers. And also, uh, instead of going Antonio Brown, I'm going to go the opposite end of the uh, salary spectrum and go with Eli Rogers for $4,300 DraftKings, $5,500 FanDuel. Uh, the Browns are fourth in fantasy points allowed to receivers. Eli's had 15 targets the last two games uh, with Roethlisberger back, and uh, I know Brown's going to get his. I'm not willing to pay for it. I think there's going to be enough left over that uh, for less than half the cost, I can uh, get some of those leftovers with Eli. I like the uh, the pivot. Yeah, that's something to do in, in GPP when you've got a lot of the uh, players on a certain player and you know, week in, week out, Antonio Brown is going to have high ownership. When you can peg a team, a game, uh, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, you've got a high implied total for Pittsburgh, should do well. And if you could pivot off a real high-owned guy, let's just say Roethlisberger does do well. Let's just say Pittsburgh scores a lot of points, as they're expected to. But if AB doesn't do it and you've got a high-ownership invested in him and you pivot to a guy like an Eli Rogers who indeed does do it boy that's going to really put you um head and shoulders above much of the field and that's what you're looking for in the GPP play so I like Eli Rogers as a nice pivot off Antonio Brown GPP if indeed like the Vegas Sharps thinks this is going to be a high scoring game and it happens to go through Rogers you're going to be sitting pretty I like that call I got a couple guys here um I'm tossing out, of course, you, you play three on DraftKings, and then I've even got, for my flex, I've even got a, uh, what you talking about, Willis, that's my uh, bottom of the barrel pricing. I got a guy there, I'm going to go with an official pick, so I've got a three official wide receivers, Crowder, we've already talked about, I'm saving some money on him, 6300 on FanDuel, 5400 on DraftKings, I love me this game. Uh, I talked about the um, Green Bay secondary and how well uh, Cousins is doing. So I don't have to rehash it. Crowder's a great play. I'm spending up with A.J. Green. Uh, 8,200 FanDuel, 83 DraftKings. Now, I did talk about this earlier. I had it written down. But uh, with Eifert back, if you do the splits, um, the Red Rifle 
is a far better quarterback when Eifert is on the field. He hasn't had a big game yet. This could be one. Buffalo, they're a funnel D. Good against the run, but they are bad against the pass, and they invite you to do so. Now, when you adjust for schedule, as 4 for 4 does, there's only four teams easier for opposing wide receivers to put up points against. Only two wide receivers so far this season have more targets than A.J. Green. This is all about the numbers, right? You're, you're looking for attempts. You're looking for targets. You're looking for the possibility of scoring. And where there are targets, the fantasy goodness shall follow. He's going to face Ronald Darby, the Buffalo corner. Green has five inches and nearly 20 pounds on Darby. The Bills corner is allowing... fantasy points per route run. Out of the 84 starting cornerbacks this week, only four are allowing greater fantasy production. So he's one of my official guys, as is Hearns. I'm saving money there. Only 4,100 on DraftKings, 54 on FanDuel. Matches up against the Lions slot corner, whom I know all too well, Quandry Diggs. (laughs) He comes in uh, graded as the 97th best corner, according to PFF. Boy, the Lions, I talked about how bad they they are earlier against numerous positions, quarterbacks, wide receivers, tight ends. DVOA, football outsiders, a great metric. Lions are dead last, dead last. And when you look at wide receivers that have scored touchdowns against the Lions, it's mainly number two guys because Darius Slay and Slauson, their other two corners are so good, Teams are picking on Quandry Diggs. That's who Hearns should match up against. So you've got guys that have scored like Josh Huff, Eddie Royal, Andre Johnson, of course, Moncrief, and Adams, all number twos that have done very well against Quandry Diggs. So I like Hearns as my official guy. A couple other names. Big guy that I will pivot off of A.J. Green. Give me some Mike Evans. Uh, you could easily uh, switch out, I think, an Evans and a Green. I'm always looking at those matchups. Philip Gaines, he's the cornerback he's going to be faced against, comes in at 114, only three guys worse. Uh, Out of the 84 starting corners, only one. This week is allowing more fantasy points per route run than Mr. Phillips, or Mr. Philip Gaines, and that's who Mike Evans faces. A couple other names, Crabtree, 66 on FamDuel, 6,500 on DraftKings. The other two Houston corners, they're really tough. Uh, A.J. Bowie, he's number one, according to Pro Football Focus. That's who Amari Cooper is going up against. Crabtree is going to see more Jonathan Joseph. Uh, There's only seven other wide receivers that have a more favorable matchup, according to PFF. So I think Crabtree could be a nice play. And heck, even give me some golden Tate. Again, this is that garbage game. Could be a lot of goodness here. Detroit has a pretty high implied team total against Jacksonville. Uh, If I didn't say it, Tate's only 5,300 on DraftKings, 66 on FanDuel. Jacksonville, very suspect over the middle where Tate works. Stafford, his average average depth of target, 7.2, which not a lot. That's a 34th shortest passer in the league, or 34th, I guess, longest passer in the league. Uh, Tate's average depth of target, 7. That puts him at wide receiver, 119. So that's exactly the area both Tate and Stafford are comfortable working, and that's where Jacksonville is vulnerable. So look for Tate over the middle. I think uh, Jacksonville can be burned there. Uh, High-scoring 
game with uh, two bad teams, that can often spell fantasy goodness. All right, let's turn it over to the tight end spot. Uh, looking in the rear view, as I like to do. Doing well with the tight ends here. 3.61 value. So I'll take that any day of the week in my DraftKings lineups. I got a couple listed. I think, is as we noted when we were talking quarterback and, and tight end streamers, tough week for quarterbacks, but lots of tight ends available, and you might be able to save some money here on DraftKings. Who are you liking at the tight end spot? Well, with Gronk out, uh, I think Martellus Bennett is kind of the no-brainer play. He's only 3,700 on DraftKings, 5,200 on FanDuel. Um, San Francisco's already given up 100-yard and a touchdown games to Greg Olson and Jimmy Graham. The last time that Gronk sat, Martellus Bennett went for a buck 14 and a touchdown. So um, he's a, a top play that you don't have to pay top dollar for. Uh, if you've already spent up your your allotment and uh, you really need to scrape the bottom of the barrel we can uh, we can work the the depths of that Pittsburgh roster again a guy you talked about earlier Ladarius Green uh, only 2500 DraftKings 4500 FanDuel that's uh, pretty close to bottom of the barrel pricing and uh, Cleveland one of the softest touches for tight ends and you know you saw the Steelers they want to get their return on investment from Green they they went to him on the two point conversion they yeah. threw to him uh, in the end zone once um, I don't think they're they're easing him in at all. I think he's going to take a bigger and bigger bite out of what Jesse James is doing, and this is a great opportunity for him to do so. I, I like the Martellus Bennett, especially with Gronk. Gronk has not practiced all week. Uh, doesn't bode well. So I really like the Martellus Bennett play. Some other guys we've, we've talked about, Clay. Uh, I already mentioned him, but I think he's a, a great play that you can save some money on. Again, Martellus Bennett's my official call. I also like me some Delaney Walker. He's just been putting it up lately. Uh, this game opened up as the highest over-under of the week. We've already talked about this this Tennessee team and what they've been doing lately. Uh, Indy's given up 20 fantasy points or more to opposing tight ends in three of their last four. One of which, by the way, was Walker in week seven. So not too long ago, he saw this very team. Eight targets, seven receptions, 84 yards and a touchdown in their last meeting. So I do like Walker. Uh, I, I'm all over that game. I, if you're going to spend up as well, Eifert, 6,300 Fandle, 54 on DraftKings. I already said uh, Dalton is better. In fact, when Eifert is in the lineup, Dalton's quarterback ranking or rating is 104.1, and it's 10 less without him. Dalton puts up, on average, 23 fantasy points with Eifert in the lineup as opposed to 18.5 without him. So about 5 points more fantasy and about 10 points more in quarterback rating. Uh, better for Dalton um, since Eifert's return last two games. Last two games, 198 yards, 17 targets, and a touchdown. And the Bills, as we talked about, funnel D. Last five weeks, only two teams have allowed more uh, tight end fantasy points. So I like that, and I also really like if indeed, let's just say, by some miracle, Gronk comes back. Very similar price point. Zach Miller, only $100 more on DraftKings, only $200 more on FanDuel. I've heard a lot of folks talking this week because they're going to be Jeffrey-less. Uh, I've heard a lot of folks talking about Cameron 
Meredith, who I kind of think that's a mistake. Uh, facing the Giants, according to FF Today and standard PPR scoring, which, you know, DraftKings is PPR, last five weeks they've surrendered the eighth most points to the position. Even looking at Pyro's own positional points against, Giants are giving up on average just over eight targets to opposing tight ends, most in the league. Uh, Jeffrey, he was getting just over 22% of the team's target share. I mean, considering Miller's already at 19%, I think he's going to get a big slice of the pie. I'll talk a little bit later as why I'm fading Cameron Meredith, but I think Zach Miller's the guy folks should be on. Moving on up and over to the defensive spot. Defense, I'm hurting a little bit. Uh, my, my lowest performer thus far, 10 weeks, I averaged 2.41 um, per $1,000 on DraftKings. Talked a lot about some defenses already. Certainly Miami is a great play, um, but I got a couple others. Who are you liking uh, DFS defense, sir? Well, Miami would be my play with uh, a $2,900 yeah. price tag on DraftKings and 4800 on FanDuel. Um, for all the reasons that we talked about earlier, I think, uh, you know, I'm like you. My, if I were to track my results, I'm guessing they would probably be in the in the mid twos as well. But uh, I, it's a place where I feel comfortable saving a little bit of money because yeah. it can be hit or miss, and uh, and trusting that uh, you spend wisely at uh, at the positions that are maybe a little less uh, uh, random. You know, defense is going to be a little bit more random, but. Uh, this one, it, it sure has everything lined up for uh, Miami to be uh, providing a lot more than uh, than two times value uh, on what you're paying for them this week. I, I certainly like Miami a lot. We, we've already talked about them. Going to spend up, though. I'm going to officially take Kansas City just $500 more uh, on DraftKings. Now, home to Tampa Bay. Uh, and by the way, Kansas City is 400 less than top dog on DraftKings Seattle. So I really like the price of Kansas City here. Uh, as I said, home to Tampa. Tampa has the uh, very low implied team total of 18.5. Not that I often use that to select my defenses. I use some other things, and let me tell you. Tampa, uh, just one of two teams that has allowed their quarterback to be hit more than 70 times. One of two that have allowed that many quarterback hits. Just for a point of comparison, Oakland, who has, is the best for allowing the least amount of quarterback hits, Derek Carr has only been hit 21 times. Tampa's allowed Jameis Winston to be hit over 70. That's about three and a half times more than Oakland, who's the best in the league. That's a lot. And I like looking at hits. The more you rough up that quarterback, chances are the next play he's going to be a little more leery, maybe a little more sore, but also maybe he's going to release a bit quicker than he should, uh, where you're going to get sacks, you're going to get interceptions. Uh, I like looking at hits, and uh, Kansas City is really um, going to be tough, and Tampa is um, susceptible there. Uh, on DraftKings, Tampa has scored in the double digits six of their last seven. So Kansas City is just a great play. They are plus 14 in their turnover ratio. That leads the league. So I really like Kansas City as my official call. I'm willing to spend up uh, there, but I do like the pivot play. 
I often like starting with a higher defense. Then if I'm real close and you know you've got $500 to work with, if I'm real close, I can come down to a Miami and then maybe grab a flex play that I'm just out of range with with Kansas City. All right, man. We've got uh, just a couple other things left, and then I'm going to let you get on out of here. Thank you for uh, joining me once again, Tubi, on the Pyro Light. Now, before we uh, do some cleanup duty here, let's see how you can do on trivia question number four, the last one of the night. Uh, we all know Antonio Gates, they're on by this week, but we all know he's got 109 career touchdowns, just two away from tying Tony Gonzalez for the most touchdowns by a tight end all time. However, can you tell me which active wide receiver has the most career touchdowns that's playing in the NFL right now? Think about that. We are going to be right back with the Pyro Light Podcast, episode 53. Welcome back to the Pyro Light Podcast. As you know, the wealth of Pyromaniac podcasts can be found on iTunes, Spreaker, Google Play, Stitcher, Podcast, Ad Addict, and Blog Talk Radio. Whether that's the Pyro Light, which you're listening to now, or the Pyromaniac Fantasy Football Fire, uh, we can be had at all locations. Do us a favor and leave us a review. All right. As I said, Antonio Gates, just two away from hitting that 111 career touchdown mark, which would tie him with Gonzalez for the most ever by a tight end. But right now, there is a wide receiver that leads all other wide receivers. So who currently playing has the most touchdowns at the wide receiver spot? I'm going to go with my guy Fitz. Boy, I th sir, you're four for four. Congratulations, <laughs> you have done it. Indeed, Larry Fitzgerald, 103, 103 touchdowns. Steve Smith, uh, second most active with 86. Brandon Marshall, 81. This one surprised me. Anquan Bolden, 80. That was a surprise. Uh, but Fitzgerald, year in, year out, 103 is where he's sitting. Most touchdowns for an active wide receiver. All right, uh, we're bad cleanup duty now. We, we've just got a few fun ones, and then we're going to get up on out of here. So uh, the first thing, real quick, uh, stack. If you're going to stack some plays, and it doesn't have to be quarterback, wide receiver. could be running back, tight end, uh, quarterback, tight end, quarterback, running back, wide receiver. Which couple of guys are you going to be willing to throw out on a DFS lineup from the same team? Well, we've talked about just about everybody on the Steelers uh, offense, uh, so I think a Steelers, uh, any Steelers stack against Cleveland would work. Uh, I also think uh, a Redskins stack against uh, the Packers would work. But you touched on one that I, I've kind of been toying with in some of my lineups um, with uh, Matthew Stafford's uh, average distance uh, and Golden Tate's average distance uh and, and I think throw Theo Riddick into that mix as well. So a uh, Riddick-Tate stack against that defense that really seems susceptible to uh, short area passing, I think, uh, especially given both of their relative values, uh, you can pick up some nice uh, uh, some nice uh, value in, uh, in a Riddick-Tate uh, stack. I like it. It often underutilized. For some reason, people think if you start a running back and a wide receiver, that's going to be bad. We're not saying start just any old random wide receiver and running back. It's got to be from a team 
that's expected to score a lot of points, as Detroit is, north of 26 implied team points. And if you pick the right games, if you think about it, you know, every time Riddick gets you a first down, Tate's going to have more opportunity. Every time Tate gets a first down, Riddick's going to have an opportunity. So if you selectively pick the right ones, I love that play. Um, it's going to be contrarian. Not a lot of people are going to do it. And you, it's a real unique way to differentiate your lineup in DFS, especially those GPP tournament games. I'm going to go with something we've already talked about. It's a triple stack. Um, we talked about DeMarco Murray. I, I mentioned Delaney Walker quickly. I'm throwing this one out because I, I don't think either of us brought up Marietta, and I do like him this week. I talked about this game as a game that I like. As I said, last five games, they haven't scored below 26 points. Uh, this, I think Marietta, if you start with Murray and Walker, I talked about how I think Tennessee against these Colts are going to have a great passing day for backs coming out uh, of the backfield. So I really like getting a Marietta. I think he's going to have exposure, or I'm going to have exposure, by owning Marietta to all the touchdowns, whether they come from a Murray or a Walker. I'm thinking a pass to Murray, certainly a pass to Walker. Give me that triple Tennessee stack. Now, I alluded to one guy earlier. Who are you fading? Which guy are you going to stay away from uh, DFS this week? Well, I'm not staying away from him because he's not good. But uh, the price point on Ezekiel Elliott at 8000 on DraftKings, 8700 on FanDuel, uh, why risk him against that defense when I, I think you can find some other uh, real good running back plays, uh, elite running back plays that are at the same or, or better price that have a much more favorable matchup. So uh, other weeks uh, are good weeks to, to stick with Zeke uh, this week. Not that I'm afraid of that defense, but uh, you know why why increase your own degree of difficulty when uh, when you can find other backs uh, at similar value with a more favorable schedule? I could see that certainly. You know, you love Zeke, you love this offense. We talked about him being the first back that's reached a thousand, but Baltimore's off. They're sneaky tough. Uh, only two teams in the fantasy world, anyway. Only two teams allowing fewer. PPR points per game than Baltimore. So like you say, a lot of money for a tough matchup. I got two. One guy, uh, Michael Floyd. I think folks are going to be on him because he's coming off a big game. Had 100 yards. You're saying about time. But in the previous four, before that, four games, he collected just seven receptions. Heck, in two of those, the man didn't even get a target. Uh, real boom or bust more bust than boom now when this game opened at 41 over under it was tied for the lowest expected scoring game of the week minnesota second toughest defense for opposing wide receivers to face they were they've been the toughest all year hit a little bit of the skids lately uh finally floyd he's gonna see mostly terrence newman whom pro football focus grades as their number four Corner and coverage just behind A.J. Bouye, uh, Tlaib, and Harris. Tough road to hoe for Mr. Michael Floyd, an old Notre Damer. And then a guy I talked about earlier, I've heard uh, on podcasts and write-ups, people talking Cameron Meredith with the Alshon Jeffrey-less Bears, but I'm a little worried. Um, if anything, I would go with Royal, but really I like uh, Zach Miller as the play here. Now, with... Meredith, he just doesn't have the rapport with Mr. Cutler. Um, 
He had his little run in weeks five and six, but that was without Jay Cutler. If you look at game splits, Mr. Meredith has averaged almost 13 points per game without Cutler. In the two games with, 7.7. Just doesn't seem to have that chemistry like a Royal does, or more certainly, Zach Miller. So I'm pivoting away from Floyd because of the matchup and Meredith because folks seem to be on him just for the situation without Jeffrey, and I just don't think there's any history between these two, although small sample size between Cutler and Meredith. Just doesn't seem to be much history there. Um, last one, and I've got uh, one of my official picks. If you noticed, I really haven't called out a flex play yet. i got my three wide receivers. i got my two running backs. I haven't called out a flex, and it is indeed going to be a wide receiver. I'll keep you in suspense for a moment. Of course, I'm talking about the what you talking about Willis play. Now, that's bottom of the barrel. So I look on DraftKings for wide receivers. The minimum price is 3000 for tight ends. It's 2500 So we're talking about a guy either 3000 for a tight end or lower or 3500 uh, 3, for wide receivers or running backs. So basically a guy that's within 500 of the DraftKings minimum. Who are you looking at for what you talking about Willis play? Well, I've talked about Kenneth Dixon a couple spots along the way, and I think he's uh, he's my play here. I know people were burned by him earlier when he, he was supposed to be the feature back in, in Baltimore. They, they kicked uh, Justin Forsett to the curb, and then it didn't quite materialize for, for Dixon right away. And like you said, uh, Terrence West took over the carries. But now Dixon's back. At worst, he's a third down back in a game that uh, he's going to be catching a lot of passes as the Ravens play catch up. And at best, he he takes over that feature back role. I think he is the the most talented back on that roster and uh, uh, could be a, a difference maker not just this week but uh, but going forward. So uh, he's a guy that I'll I'll take off the bottom of the barrel and throw into my lineup. I got two. I, I believe I mentioned both of them earlier, but Chris Conley. 45 on FanDuel, 3,300 on DraftKings. Like I say, this is really dependent on Macklin. Macklin's been sidelined all week. Um, officially, he's questionable. But anytime a player has a designation of a DNP, did not practice on Friday, I think it's a safe bet he's going to be out on Sunday. Uh, so I'm keeping my eye on that one. I think if Macklin's out, it's a good bet. Not that I'm in love with Smith, but the Planet Arrowhead, 26 point implied total. And also, you got the caveat here of Vernon Hardgraves going against them. I talked earlier, uh, pro football focus only has four, uh, five guys that are rated less than Hardgraves at the cornerback spot. How can you not like Conley at that price point, 3,300 DraftKings? Also talked about Patton. As I said, since Colin Kaepernick has returned, Patton's the man. Whether you slice it up with receptions, targets, or yards, he's going to Patton. And now I know Curley's had the talk. He's had a big game, but Patton's been the steady Eddie kind of a guy, and man, they're going to have to pass and pass all day long. Quentin Patton, 3,000 on DraftKings, site minimum. Uh, so he is indeed one of my official guys. So if you're looking to pay up, which I am, I was able to get in all those guys I talked about earlier. Uh, so I'm getting in a Blunt. I'm getting in a DeMarco Murray. I'm getting in A.J. Green. Um, able to do it by spending down on a Quentin Patton. So he's my official, uh, what you talking about, Willis play in one of my official wide receiver plays. All right. We have come to the end, sir. Mr. Tooby, 
it's been a pleasure as always. Always great to talk to you. Uh, you know, like I said, it's uh, it's it's fun to have a, a nice venue like this to uh, to throw my uh, fantasy ideas around, and nice to hear that uh, people were clamoring for them. So I hope these uh, work out for them uh, as well as uh, the stuff that you're tracking on your own. Well, Tuvi, it's always a pleasure, man, and I've listened to you and followed you for a long time. And uh, anytime you uh, got a new pants party, I am anxious to listen and will certainly uh, do my best to tweet it out. And uh, anything you do, I am into. So uh, keep us apprised of what's going on. Uh, as I said earlier, I am Pyromaniac Mo. You can follow me at Pyromaniac Mo. That is indeed all letters. P-Y-R-O-M-A-N-I-A-C-M-O. And you can follow Tuvi at J. T-U-V-E-Y. And as I said at the top, go ahead and uh, keep on listening for a bit more of Keller Williams. And until the next time, gang, we will catch you on the flip side.
Thank you.